Well, again, uh, happy Father's Day to all fathers out there. And I know because it's Father's Day, you may be um, expecting more Father's Day um, jokes than normal, right? More dad jokes than normal. Um, I'll try not to disappoint. But you know where I go to get all my dad jokes is a, is a database. Um, but uh, maybe that's, that, that might be the last one. You know, just that's my gift for you. It's not to do many, too many more. Um, but no, today is it, Father's Day. It's an important day. It's good to honor dads because dads make a huge difference in the lives of their family. All statistics have borne that out. Studies show that parents who, uh, kids who grow up with a father present are much more likely to succeed than those who don't. Um, not only that, but fathers are given the high honor that when God wanted to communicate, uh, reveal uh, to his people what he's like, he chose that image of a loving father. Okay? That's the, the heavenly father. So when we just did the Lord's Prayer, right? it's sometimes called the Our Father Prayer. So when Jesus says if, um, how you relate to people, how you relate to, the, to God, it should be as a heavenly father, right? Our Father. That's how we start our prayers. And so when we understand the Heavenly Father's heart, it changes how we relate to God. It changes how we relate to other people. And in this series, Encountering Jesus, that we've been going through, we've been looking at encounters that people had with Jesus, different types of people from all walks of life, and those people, their lives, again, they're changed. Now, today, we're not going to look so much at an encounter with Jesus. Instead, we're going to look at a teaching of Jesus, which is important because many people, when they encountered Jesus, they encountered, um, they encountered his teaching, right? That's how they first interacted with him. They heard his teaching, and today we're going to look at how Jesus taught about God's heart for his wayward children in a famous parable called the parable of the prodigal son. Now, you've probably heard that parable, right? Most of you have heard the parable of the prodigal son. In fact, it's one of those scriptures that even if you're um, not used to church and not a churchy person, you've probably at least heard the term, a a prodigal. So it's a famous uh, parable, and we're going to look at that today. But in order to understand that parable, what we need to do is understand what the Holy Spirit inspired Luke, the gospel writer, to actually write. Sometimes when things are so familiar, we just kind of jump into it. Sometimes preachers will say, oh, I want to put a new spin on this. You know what I want to put a spin on? I want to put a Holy Spirit spin on it. In other words, I want to preach what the Holy Spirit inspired to preach because he inspired the gospel of of Luke, the the writer, to set up that uh, parable in a certain way. And that's what we want to talk about. But Jesus, again, he's teaching about God's heart. So why did Jesus tell this parable? Well, let's look at the context. Let's look at uh, the beginning of chapter 15. So the parable of the prodigal son is in Luke chapter 15. But let's look at the beginning of that. Uh, Verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Right now, in response to the Pharisees and scribes, so the Pharisees were like a, a 
sort of a, a religious group that was very influential in Jesus' day. They were the religious leaders of the people. They tried to make sure everyone followed the laws, um, the, the laws and, and all of that. And the scribes were experts in the law. And so they see all of these tax collectors and sinners gathering around Jesus, coming as Jesus invites people to the kingdom of God, he sees lots of people. Lots of these, they see a lot of these tax collectors and sinners coming to Jesus, and they're like, that's disgusting. And they start grumbling. Why is he eating with them? Why is he receiving them? And in response to the tax collectors and sinners... Excuse me, in response to the Pharisees grumbling about the tax collectors and, and sinners, Jesus tells three parables. The first parable he tells is about a, a lost sheep, that a man had 100 sheep. He had 99 sheep, and one was lost, and so he leaves the 99. And this is a famous parable, too, that you might have heard. And he goes and finds that one sheep and brings it back, and he rejoices exceedingly over that one sheep that was lost and now is found. And then he tells, oh, and then he says, so uh, just like that, so too when one sinner repents, people, uh, heaven rejoices, just like that man rejoicing over this one lost sheep that was found. And then he tells another parable about a woman who had 10 coins, and she loses one, and she cleans her whole house looking far and wide for this coin, and when she finds it, she rejoices. Again, why did Jesus tell these two parables and then the lost son parable? Because the Pharisees were grumbling. He's contrasting God's attitude, the attitude in heaven over sinners who repent as opposed to the religious leaders. Because when they find a lost thing, they rejoice, right? The, the person who lost the sheep, the person who lost the coin. And then that, that whole theme culminates in the lost son, the prodigal son being found. You see how important it is to understand the context of this parable, to understand what Jesus is doing, what the Holy Spirit is inspiring. That those two parables are now punctuated with, yes, yeah, that sheep is valuable, the coin is valuable, but now let me tell you about a valuable son who is lost and found by his father. So let's look. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is the parable of the prodigal son. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Right, let's just stop there for a moment. So the father was tremendously dishonored and hurt by his son, was he not? 
Because basically the son says, yeah, dad, I know you're not dead yet, but can you give me my inheritance? I mean, what an insult. Not dad, can I help you build what you've been building your whole lifetime and support you, but dad, I want to go, so give me my share of what you would give me if you were dead. And the father gives it to him. And what's worse is then he takes the father's hard-earned money and goes and wastes it, wastes all of it, so that he is now destitute. And he ends up feeding pigs slop. And in that culture, remember, this is a Jewish culture that pigs are considered unclean animals. So the father would be filled with shame and dishonor that his son not only asked for an inheritance, but then he squandered it all and now is feeding pigs. But the son, the younger son, in his desperation, he comes to a realization that, wait a minute, I I have barely anything to eat. My father treats his servants so much better. And he, he realizes the dishonor that he's brought to his father, he decides that I'm going to go. And, and I'm just going to, you know, I've dishonored him so much that, yeah, I, I can't ask to be back in the family, but if I could just be one of his servants, at least they eat well. Because he understands that his father's heart is good. He treats his servants well. So that's his plan. He's going to go and confess and ask just to be a servant. So let's pick up the parable again in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Very similar, right? And we have the artwork there. Yeah, the prodigal son. Thank you, Gretchen, for doing that. Um, It's very similar to the previous parables, right? A lost thing is found, and then there's rejoicing. And we assume that there's rejoicing on earth because these, in all these three parables, there's rejoicing on earth. And the previous two parables says, and that so there's also rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And so here we get this clear picture that God's heart is full of grace towards the one who returns to him. That his heart, it's not vengeful, it's not condemning, even though he is the one who's been wronged, it's full of grace. It doesn't wait for the groveling. It doesn't even wait for the apology. Rather, it runs towards that son and celebrates the return. This is a wonderful lesson, a wonderful picture of God's heart towards all those who turn to him, isn't it? Now, fathers, as I said, give us a picture of God's love. And and for those fathers out there, or parents, moms too, you probably... You know, if you've got kids, your kids have sometimes done you wrong. Sometimes they've shamed you. Done things where you brought shame on, where they brought shame on the family. Caused the community to talk about you. And yet, you know that if they would come back, if they would return, 
you would receive them. You would receive them into your house and you would be ecstatic that they had returned. And Jesus is saying that is like God's heart towards his children as well. He rejoices when you return. He's a loving father who values his children so much that he rejoices when they're found, even though it cost him a lot, like the father in the parable, right? Half of his wealth was blown by that son. So does this parable match your concept of God? As Jesus wants us to understand God's heart for the wayward children, does this parable match your concept of God? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you see God as absent. Maybe you see God as condemning. And perhaps it's because when, you know, perhaps you had an absent father or an absent or, or an abusive father. And so in your mind, when this, this heavenly father image, it doesn't really work for you. But if that's the case, then let, let Jesus' portrait inform who the father in heaven is. And if God is like that, if he has a heart for the lost, if he has a heart for those who've wandered, when they return, how would that change your life? How would that change how you interact with God today? I think, at the very least, it would mean that if we've strayed today, if we're, if we're straying from God, if you're watching and you've strayed, return to him. He, his arms are wide open. He will put a ring on your finger and a robe on you. He will not cast you out. You see, we don't just fear God. We also need to love him, and we love him because he first loved us. And when we understand God's heart for us, it makes us want to love him back. But the parable does not end there, does it? Hopefully some of you are familiar with the parable. Like, wait, isn't there more to that parable? Yes, there is. Now, but the thing is, is we expect it to be over at this point. Why? Well, because the previous two parables, there's a lost sheep, it's found, there's rejoicing. Lost coin, it's found, there's rejoicing. Lost son, he returns and is found rejoicing, right? That's the pattern. But with extra emphasis, there's a turn here in verse 25. Let me read it to you. This is the rest of the parable. It says, now, his older son, Again, the parable, the father had two sons. There's the prodigal son, but then there's an older son. This, the older son was in the field, and he came and he drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. And refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, 
For this brother was dead and it is alive. He was lost and is found. The father's attitude contrasts with the attitude of the older brother, does it not? Now, the father in this parable, it represents the heavenly father. That's, that's pretty obvious. But who does the older brother represent? Well, again, that's why it's important, the context. We go back to the beginning of chapter 15. Why did Jesus begin to tell these three parables? Because there was the Pharisees and scribes grumbled that he receives tax collectors and eats with them. So you see, Jesus is telling this parable, and that twist at the end really shows how the, the, the Pharisees, these religious folks, their heart is not like the Father's heart. You see, while we gain an understanding about the Heavenly Father's heart in this parable, it's true, as I just preached about that a bit, the emphasis here, the emphasis is on the fact that these religious leaders don't share the Father's heart towards the lost. Again, the Father rejoices when the lost show up. The, the religious leaders, they grumble. They're disgusted. And this, again, this emphasis, it shows in, in how the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to arrange this. Again, we have lost thing found rejoice, lost thing found rejoice, lost thing found rejoice, grumble. And at the end, that end is an emphasis. So what's the Father's heart towards people? He seeks them out when they're lost. They're valuable to him. So he rejoices when they're found, even if, They've dishonored him. What is the religious leader's heart towards people? They don't deserve God's grace. They've lost their value by what they've done. And when the, the, the sinners return, they're not happy like God is happy, but rather jealous. God, why would you lavish blessings on them? Really, God, you should be doing more for us because we're the ones who have served you so faithfully for so long. And there's jealousy there. God should be doing more for us good children as opposed to those reprobates, those prodigals. The religious leaders grumbling about sinners flocking to Jesus showed that they did not know God's heart and therefore did not reflect God's heart in how they viewed and treated others. You see, in this parable, what we need to realize is that both sons are needy. Both sons don't reflect the father's heart. The prodigal doesn't reflect his father's heart in that he goes and he wastes it in sin and wasteful living. But what the older son doesn't realize is he also needs to come back into the house, right? Now, the, the prodigal son, he was away from his father's house. He had abandoned his father and his family but the older son, notice, he's not going into the house either. They both need to get back into their father's house. They both need to reflect God's heart because they weren't either of them. But the difference was the prodigal son, he realized, I'm not right. I'm not right with my father. I, I need to go back and back into his house. And the father receives him. But the older son, he doesn't go back in, does he? at least not in this parable, because it's a parable. But they both, both sons were needy. 
One son realized it, the other didn't. But at that time, neither were imaging the father's heart. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this parable to today? Several ways. And the first is we need to realize that Jesus reveals God's heart towards his lost children in this parable. It's true. That's why he was teaching it. But we must also understand that God, Jesus reveals God's heart for his lost children also in his death on the cross, right? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That it's, it's costly for the father in the parable. It took half of his, his younger son took half of his stuff. But for Jesus, for God to redeem us prodigals, he gave the life of his only begotten son. Right? That's what Jesus gave his life. God is seeking you. He is seeking you. In fact, that is why you are hearing these words now. Whether you're here or whether you're watching online, the fact that you are hearing about Jesus, about God's heart for you, it shows that God is seeking you. He is scanning the horizon. If you turn to him, he will open his arms to you. He will receive you. So do that now. That's, the, I think, the primary application is that return to the Father. He is waiting for you. But other applications I think of is, I also, I think on this Father's Day, we should thank, thank your earthly father who showed you love, right? If, if you had a great father, and I did, and so when I hear, oh, I do, I should say, when, when I hear about the heavenly father who would, half of his stuff got wasted, he'd still accept his son, like, I'm like, yeah, of course, because my dad would, my dad's like that, right? I'd do that for my kids as well. And so if you have an earthly father who, who, who showed that kind of love, who makes, you, who makes this heavenly father picture really resonate with you, say thank you to him. But if not, then know God is a father to the fatherless. Right? And so maybe you didn't have a father, you didn't have a good relationship with your father. Well, the heavenly father is waiting for you. I also want to say, fathers, don't give up. Don't give up on your wayward children. God's heart for them is even more pure and loving than yours. And so if they return to him, he will welcome them with open arms. So don't give up, fathers, on your wayward children because God loves them even more than you do. And then, of course, another, I think the primary application here uh, of, of the, the, the weight of the parable is that we need to reflect God's heart if we're Christians, by loving the lost, not condemning them like the older brother. And I know it can be hard. Like the older brother, we, we often don't understand God's grace because God's grace is scandalous. That, wait a minute, that's not fair. But God's grace is not fair. It doesn't give us what we deserve, but rather welcomes us. And you know, sometimes we may feel we need to be offended for God's sake, <laughs> Because in society, there's so many things that dishonor God. And we might think, oh, well, I need to be offended by God. For God, excuse me. I need to be offended for God's sake. But that's not how the father is in this parable. He was dishonored by his son. It carried great shame in that community. But the father doesn't act that way. He says, wait a minute. If you're returning, I'm here. I'm running towards you. 
So if we think we somehow need to be disgusted and offended on God's behalf, it's because we don't understand God's heart for the lost. Is that we, he can handle it. God can handle it. In fact, he did handle it. He handled it on the cross of Jesus. And so if God would humble himself, come in the form of a human being and give his life, who are we to be offended? Instead, we need to be reflecting the Father's heart that says, oh, have you dishonored God? Have you sinned? Well, God will still receive you back if you return to his house. And God is seeking his children to return. Let's not be like the older brother that when sinners start to return, we're like, oh, why are they here? Let's not be like the older brother. Church application too is that one of our, our mission is to worship God, to love people, and to grow Christ followers, grow disciples. And I think this parable about the 99 sheep, right, that, the, that they left the 99 sheep to seek that one sheep, that is a reflection of God's heart for the lost. So you know what that means is as a church, we should have that same mindset, that it's not about keeping us 99. We have about 99 here happy. It's about seeking that lost one. Oh, no. We're supposed to keep all of the, the flock, like, you know, happy and all of that. No, that's not our mission. Our mission is to reflect God's heart, and it doesn't reflect God's heart if we're more worried about the 99 who are safe. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, then you know what? Your heavenly eternity is secure. But what about that lost one who's in peril? We need to reflect God's heart in how we do church. Friends, we need to realize that in this parable, we know God, the heavenly father, is the father but we're either the younger son, the prodigal son, or we're the older brother. But both are in need of reconciliation with God. Both needed to turn to God and repent. Now, being found, okay, the lost being found. The prodigal son was lost, but now he's found. The older son if, if he had come into the house, right, that, then he would have been found as well. So which one are you? Either way, we don't reflect God's heart. Whether we're taking, um, we have a confidence that, you know, I've served God for so long, so I'm fine, but yet we don't love others like, the, like God loves them, right? Well, then we still, we need to reflect the Father's heart. Or maybe you've been wandering, Return to God. Either way, the heavenly Father is seeking you. You're valued by him. Come into his house. Turn to him. He will embrace you. And then he will transform you in joy. Right? So that you reflect his heart. Because the life of a Christian is about like father, like son. Or like father, like daughter, if you're, if you're female. Like that's the goal of the Christian life is to reflect God. Like, my heavenly Father, he is loving. Therefore, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to have a heart for the lost. Like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. That is how we can honor our heavenly Father today. But we can't do it by ourselves, can we? We need God's spirit. We need his empowerment. Because this kind of love of the heavenly Father, like, we see it 
Yes, in earthly parent relationships or not, and whatnot. But to, to love our enemies, to die for our enemies, like Jesus did, like to, to, to love the wayward. We need an infusion of God's love for that. But that's exactly what God requires, God provides. And that's what he's offering today. That's what he's offering if we come to him. He will put the robe around us, the ring on our finger. He'll give us his Holy Spirit so that we will reflect him in all that we do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly blessed to be able to even refer to you as our Heavenly Father, the one who loves us. Lord, even now I know that you are calling sinners to yourself. Lord, I know that here and online there are prodigals. Lord, I was one who went and spent all of his life on fleeting pleasures. But yet you call us, God. And when we come running to you, you receive us. And so, Lord, I pray that right now there'll be prodigals running to you. But, Lord, then there's others of us who are like the older brother. But, Lord, we still need your grace because we don't love like you love. So I pray for each one of us, Lord, that who are older brothers, we would run to you. Lord, we'd repent of our hardened hearts. We'd repent of our lack of love. And we'd come into your house and rejoice with all the other sinners, Lord, who you've brought into your house. Lord, thank you for our earthly fathers who reflect you. And Lord, may we reflect you in how we treat others. Do your mighty work in us and through us on this Father's Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.